0: Hey, how you doing? This is Kirk, and I've been away for a few months, but I'm back with another episode of Delirious. Today I'm talking with Wei Lin, who I've known for about 15 years, ever since she was a precocious teenager as an international student at Gould Academy in Maine. Wei hails from Guangzhou, China, which is where she currently resides. And if you're looking for inspiration to live life to the fullest, you're going to love listening to Wei. First off, she's a startup founder and CEO of her own women's knitwear company, PH5. That's ph5.com. The name is based on the numerical PH scale, which I just learned runs from 0 to 14. And with a 7 being neutral, PH5 would be a brand that leans to the edgier side while still keeping a touch of femininity. I got that off the PH5 website. Now, to start and build a successful company is a feat in and of itself, but you got to wait to hear what else Wei has done. Uh, This woman runs marathons for fun on her own. She's also one of 500 people in all of China who has completed a full Ironman triathlon. She's actually going to talk more on the show about how many of these competitions she's crushed over the years. Uh, She scuba dives. She bicycles in high-altitude climates. Um, She taught herself how to play various sports. This woman is amazing. Overall, Wei's inner drive and growth mindset are probably the strongest of anyone I've come across. I'm amazed at how much she has accomplished and how much she packs into her day, all in her drive to soak up the most out of life. And Wei's on a quest to do more now more than ever before. So in the show, we talk about how the coronavirus has impacted her daily life and how she realizes how fortunate she is to be here now so i gotta stop talking so you can get inspired by the one the only ms wei lin
1: hello hello way hi kirk hello oh.
2: how are you oh my yeah. god
1: your <laughs> virtual
2: background is amazing
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> i have to get a screenshot of this for my for my post way like, so and this is just an amazing shot how are you how's life
1: i'm good how are you how's uh, how's everything over there with the covid
2: well uh i mean here in maine it, there hasn't been that much of an impact um, you know there's only been a couple thousand cases and but i feel the state of maine has taken very good precautions and you know requiring masks in public and um social distancing etc so but we have you know it's tourist season here in the summer of course so lots of people coming from out of state and so you know several states are are required to self quarantine for 14 days now if they're choosing to do that who knows but where where are you right now are you in china
1: I'm in china yeah yeah it's this this year it's just been so wild it's so crazy it's i it's just too much <laughs> yeah like i i I was in China in January and then I flew to new york and then so i i flew like i I was just watching whatever happened to china happen to the u s and now like like to the rest of the world and and it just like it just like doesn't seem to we we just we humans just can't stop this thing it's just like. I don't know, I know what to do.
2: Well, so what's what's your experience been like in, in China with COVID?
1: Um, I think in general, Asia, it's just, we just tend to have a culture of just wearing masks. So it wasn't really an educational thing to get people to wear a mask. Like people just automatically, they won't even step out of their house if they don't have the mask. So it was just kind of, a very it was much more preventative preventative than I think rest of the world from the get-go and because of that the it's it's less contagious because people just automatically have that barrier um so I would say China right now or like Asia in general are pretty controlled because I have friends in Korea Japan Taiwan and um Singapore and all that and it just seems that mask is so important to um prevent the spread of the virus that um it makes it makes all the difference really um so I think right now in China it's pretty safe to uh go outside and 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 you know uh eat outside and, and for me, you know, I did a bit of traveling, um, so it was safe to get on the plane and all that. Um,
2: yeah. So, well, it seems like, uh, folks in China are, they are very agreeable to wearing masks and this was even pre COVID, correct?
1: Um, I think in Asia, if you were sick, it's just a very natural thing for you to wear a mask, and now that, as soon as we knew that this virus can be spread uh, over by air, it's just like that's just that's just that's all it takes for people to just mask up all the way. <laughs> yeah, but it can like- get yeah, it can get quite hard uh, now that summer is here and it's so hot and all that.
2: Yeah. Well, and of course here in the States, wearing a mask is a political statement, right? It's like you, a lot of people refuse to wear a mask because they feel it's it's a, their constitutional right to not wear one, um, uh, yeah. it, right? I mean, but but still there's this public health necessity to wear a mask in public and respect e- each other in that regard.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. I remember, uh, I remember traveling uh, between New York and LA in uh, February, end of February. And I remember wearing masks uh, on the, in, at the airport, on the plane, and also when I, w- when I landed. And that was end of February. So uh, COVID was huge in uh, China, uh, Korea, Japan, and I think, I believe it was also pretty big in Italy and Europe. Uh, but I remember I was probably one of, I could count my fingers how many people wore a mask. I was probably one of the five people in both the um, LaGuardia and the LAX that wore a mask. And I remember getting so much dirty looks because A, I'm Asian and B, I'm right and, and I was like, I'm trying to protect you too and myself. and, right. and But I feel like people were just like automatically assumed that, uh, something's wrong with me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right? Yeah, I was wondering if you were traveling to the states if you were experiencing uh, some of that type of attitude because
1: yeah, yeah, because of, because you're Asian. Yeah, I I remember getting yelled at on the street in New York, like near Union no. Square, homeless people. Yeah, it's just like so bad. Yeah, that's it terrible. Pretty, it's pretty real. Like I I I I. That's why I feel like um like I, I understand like the whole uh, Black Lives Matter situation, even though mm-hmm. I'm not black. But I feel like there it's real. Like it it is happening. Like uh it's people do judge you by your skin and it's not deniable. Like just that's just how I think societies work and it's really not fair. So I I I mean, it's I'm pretty off topic right now, but <laughs> this is <laughs>
2: this it's is all, all on topic. It's all on topic, wait.
1: Everything here happens in a very dramatic and extreme way. Uh, This is yeah, so extreme. And then, well, uh, how did
2: when when you were when you were getting you know yelled at on the streets in New York? I mean, how do you deal with that?
1: Um, I just walked away because it was by this homeless guy, and it was just Mm. January. And then he was like uh, something about go back, going back to Asia, or like where your yeah, like something about the virus. I don't remember exactly what he said. Uh, and I was like, "Oh wow, you're pretty on like you're pretty on on, on tune with the news." <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my gosh,
2: that's awful. Um, but I, I I
1: knew I knew it was pretty. Uh, yeah, I knew, like I was already watching saw, seeing some videos of people getting beat up, uh, like Asians getting beat up randomly. So I, even though I had the mask, I didn't feel comfortable wearing them uh, on the streets. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do understand how, like, I think it's hard to get people to listen to the government when there's no tradition of listening to government. There is, like, everybody's pretty much on their own. And I remember uh, in January in Feb- and March when I was uh, in the States talking to my friends or business meetings, like, COVID has always been the thing that like just open up that you, you open up with the COVID situation right. and then you just, you just say, like, even though it's a business meeting about our business or like fashion, it, you just have to, it's just one of the things that people just like it's on top of people's minds. And I remember uh, joking about how um, two things that were selling out the fastest in the U S uh, when people are getting pan when we start to get panic, one of them is toilet paper, yep. which you yep. understand. I kind of understand. I, I stocked
2: understand.
1: up. <laughs> I understand about toilet paper, uh, but I, 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 didn't, and I didn't know it could become a priority. I didn't know that it, it's yeah. the past food.
2: It, 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 <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like the it, number one, it, one <laughs> item.
1: <laughs> you you may not need like your pastas, your you know whatever you need your toilet right. paper like okay that's funny and then the second <laughs> one was uh, guns so guns yeah. was gun it's just like people just buying guns and I remember joking about it I was like this is so different from 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 everywhere else like because like, obviously no one else no other country can buy guns but I did not know reading the newspaper that two of the most important things in Americans minds are toilet papers and guns and that was just. I don't know, I, I thought it was very funny to kind of, to, to, to think about that. Um, and oh, then, yeah. oh, now comes June, May, April, I start to understand that, oh yeah, like guns are important.
2: Well, there's just like all this fear here, and which is interesting because there's all this animosity you know, that you're, you were sensing as an Asian person, when in reality, we should be watching taking the guidance of what has been happening in China, because China really has their shit together in, you know, dealing with the the virus and moving forward and reopening, you know, I mean, you've all done it, done it right.
1: It was very sensitive. It was one of the most sensitive time of being Chinese and being Asian in the U.S. throughout my entire life like that was this is the time that i felt very sensitive and i felt really like part of me felt guilty because i'm asian and i'm chinese and i kind of i kind of felt i kind of felt guilty for for creating so much damage but i didn't create the damage but i feel like of it's, part of, it's part of it's like everybody's playing blaming chinese and i understand Um, so it was very interesting for me to be in, in, uh, to be kind of representing China or representing Chinese in, in a, you know, in a, in a foreign environment. Um, but I, I, I do felt like, I do felt like this whole situation of you never, you never take it seriously unless it's happening to you. That's just human nature. Right. Right. um, like, it could be happening to, it could be happening to Italian, to French, to to Chinese, to Japanese, but it's none of, it's, it, it will never, you, you never really pay attention until it's, like, right in front of you. And for me, that felt very stupid of humans to be so kind of um, ignorant and so, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, like, so overconfident. Uh, I remember. <laughs> you get yeah, it. Yeah, but but I I felt like yeah it's just like yes it is hard but it's not like we didn't pay the price. I feel like China paid a lot of a huge price. People locked themselves up voluntarily for two months straight and nobody moves wow. uh, during Chinese New Year's. And I I I felt like we were able to control the virus to this extreme because you know, 1.4 billion people pay their price. Um, and that I'm sad that it, it is happening to the rest of the world but I felt like just because China, Chinese didn't die as many people as a lot of other countries doesn't mean that we're the bad guys. I feel like nobody wanted, wished the virus to happen but I also, part of me felt very bad for whatever that's happening. So it's very complicated.
2: It is very complicated. I mean, a little humility would go a long way on on our part too. Like, for example, I saw on your Instagram page, there was this photo of you like in a full hazmat suit, I think. What, when was that?
1: It wasn't me. It was at the airport.
2: That that was at the airport. That was someone testing.
1: That was everybody. That's everybody's staff. Like that's all the airport staffs, everybody fully covered like that. And that was, Used-
2: a, that's in China?
1: That was in China. Which one? The
2: There was a photo I saw someone in a full hazmat suit in front of a computer screen or whatnot. And, uh, you were traveling, you had said then you got to your hotel and you had to be quarantined in the hotel. Um, and so I, was, I thought that was you, but I guess it was somebody, you know, in the airport oh, testing.
1: Yeah, no, I was only wearing masks when I was, mm-hmm. when I traveled back to China. But I, every, every airport staff person that I met, everybody was fully covered head to toe, like inside out. And then a lot of people on the plane, a lot of people were taking a lot more uh, cover-ups than I did. Yep. I only, I only had masks. Uh, but like I saw people like fully cover gloves, everything. People were even too scared to go to uh, the bathroom for the entire flight, and too scared to eat anything for like 14, 15 hours straight. And I was like, Oh no, wow. I'm not gonna- <laughs> wow. I, can't, I can't, I can't do that. But yeah, people were very scared.
2: Well, now when you travel, the real question is, wait, did you pack your own toilet paper?
1: Um, no, no, <laughs> I um.
2: The hot commodity.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I brought a lot of snacks because I knew I would be in line for a long time. So even as I landed, I remember I landed at like 11 a.m. I didn't get to the whole quarantine hotel till like 2 a.m. So it was 11 a.m. till 2 a.m. with no food, no water provided. So I was pretty much on my own. So I brought a lot of snacks with me.
2: Wow, amazing. And how much travel have you done? Since February, March.
1: It's crazy because last year, like twenty nineteen, I counted. I I traveled. Like I, I was. I took like seventy plus plane rides. Seventy. Yeah, last year, and that's wow. pretty pretty freak. That's pretty normal for me pre COVID. Like I was just constantly on the road uh, because of the business. You know, startups. You just constantly. Mm-hmm having to travel. This year, like, let's see, January, I flew nine times this year so far, and it's already and, July.
2: And are they mostly uh, Work. Uh, to the US? Are they, are they mostly to the US or within China?
1: Um, no, January I flew from, New, uh, from China to New York, and then I flew from New York to LA back, and then from New York to China. Mm. And then from China, from from where I live to Shanghai, back and forth for sales. And then for from where I live, Guangzhou to Hangzhou for a diving trip, and then for my recent cycling trip. So nine times.
2: Mm. Yeah, that's a good segue. Uh, I also want to talk about your 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 hometown, sit your city in China, but. When you talked about the diving and your cycling, this is why this is what prompted me to, to reach out to you because I saw your post that you did this amazing bike trip, like 530 kilometers in four days at high altitude. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is, you know, this is just the epitome of Wei Lin, and I need to learn more. And I don't know how you fit it all in every day, Way. So I want to, first of all, tell me about that, that cycling trip.
1: Oh, it was it was a much needed getaway from uh from the city life. Uh, it was amazing. Um, I, I I I just did nothing but cycling from the moment I woke up, had breakfast, and then I cycled, and then I, yeah, it was so good. Um, you saw the photos. It was, I'm, and I'm not a very good photographer. <laughs> so I didn't even do the justice of how the, the like how good the scenery was because I was very close to Mongolia. Wow! And so I was in that Tibet-Mongolia area, and it was it was high altitude. It was I was cycling between three thousand two hundred uh, meters and three thousand eight hundred uh, meter elevation. So I was going between that very high altitude. Uh, and that was tough because, um, yeah, like my eyes was swallowed, uh, like my my body was fully swallowed, and then um, I couldn't really sleep that much at night because uh, my head was uh, just like constantly uh, screaming. Um, hmm. But then, um, but then the scenery was just too good, like <laughs>
2: <laughs> it made it all worth it. It made oh, the I suffering worth it
1: it was like yeah
2: whatever suck it up <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's like i mean when i uh, you know i was talking to adrian last night about uh chatting with you and she said oh my gosh you know like whenever i think of way or when we used to you know refer to you as carol back back in the day um yeah. you know she said whenever i think of carol i that that's what i think of is just her fearlessness and her growth mindset like you just see these opportunities and to step outside your comfort zone and you're and you just go for it and you're like whatever i'll just suck it up and i'll get it done
1: yeah
2: yeah Was was that always your
1: yeah there's someone that was leaving a comment in chinese on that post he was like he 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 was one of uh he does triathlon in my city so we like we were um like he knew me and then he was like oh let's let's like tell me about like tell me your your plan your like tactic like how did you plan this whole thing up and like tell me everything like how did you like do it like what's your give me your your um um tips and, and advice on this trip and i was like there's no trip tips just like go for it <laughs> <laughs> just go for it just like cycle 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 away, you know? just nothing, was it- nothing-
2: Was this a solo trip? Did you do this by yourself?
1: Yeah, yeah. And how did
2: you decide? Like, how did you come up with the idea to just like go crush it up in the mountains near Tibet and Mongolia?
1: So all my races got canceled. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) So I had like two Ironmans planned, and then my Ironmans were in. uh, I scheduled one in April in Taiwan, and then July in Spain. Both of them got canceled. So I scheduled another uh, ultra. trail running race in july in china that got canceled and i was like okay so basically there's no race happening inside and outside of china just there's no race and and um and i i feel pretty stuck and i sports for me meant more than just fitness sports you know me sports Mm -hmm. is really it's it's part of who i am it's just it's me you know without sports you know it's it's all kinds of sports i you know <laughs>
2: <laughs> right
1: high school you know basketball basketball
2: was, we yeah, talked was, about that you would ne- i don't think you had ever touched a basketball before you said i'm going to be a varsity basketball player
1: yeah yeah i was, <laughs> was like uh, basketball took everything out of me in high school like besides school like i gave it a lot of time and effort mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: i was i was really so I'm, you know, like, I, I, I enjoy this process of improving in sports and, and getting better and, and just, like, giving you, giving whatever you like, everything you have. And so not being able to train and not being able to have a goal in mind was really one of the toughest things for me this year because I felt like, hey, I don't have a family. I, you know, I'm not dating. I have a very time-consuming uh, business to run, but right. I don't want it to be everything about me. I, I, want it, I want it to, if my business is everything for me, then I feel like I'm even more stuck. Um, mm. So I needed this time away. And since all the races got canceled, I need something that's on the same level of physically exhausting.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
1: So it needs to be physically exhausting. So it's either cycling or running uh, on multi, multi or hiking like multiple days. And I I chose cycling and I chose that region in Inner Mongolia because um, it's always a dream. And 2020 made me realize that if there's one thing that you would like to do, it's you should do it now before you may not have a tomorrow, you know? I I may get hit by COVID and I may may die, you know? It's a very real thing and and it's even more real this year uh, to everybody that you don't get to, you don't get to, you know, run away from the virus. Virus is everywhere and it's life.
2: Right, well that, you know, and you're saying you need that physical exhaustion piece. So you've done, uh a couple of ironman triathlons correct how many have yeah. you done
1: i've done more than a dozen half Iron a dozen
2: Man. oh half okay well still half. a dozen i've done zero half uh, ironman so <laughs> i'm already <laughs> impressed <laughs>
1: like a, like yeah a dozen because I've i started it since twenty fourteen, so yeah, I mean th- it adds up like two three races a year. That's a dozen.
2: Are um, you like well known on the Ironman circuit at this point?
1: No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I mean, granted, there are only five hundred people in China that completely the completed completed the full Ironman. Really. Yeah, it's it's such a new sport it's in Asia and China. Um, and you're one of
2: them. you're one of them who've I'm completed one of them. the full i them too.
1: two, uh, but uh I I'm pretty I'm pretty anti social. So I don't really have <laughs> 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 You I seem pretty
2: social people. here. We're having a great conversation. <laughs> yeah,
1: but well, the reason I dropped basketball in when I when I came back to China, not it's not because I don't love basketball anymore. It's because basketball it's a team sport, and mm-hmm. I don't, I, I, can't, I don't, I, I don't know how to form that community in in China when I return back. It, I mean, it was hard for me even after graduating from college. Like I love basketball so much, but I don't seem to have that community to keep playing. Because after every, as soon as everybody leave school and and there you know you have your everything else is changed you know your your job's different your friends are different and when when I was in New York uh it was hard because everybody is super ultra competitive so it wasn't the usual thing for people to meet up every week for a game like people want to do different things every weekend uh, they want to meet different friends every weekend. they don't want to stay with the same friends, so it was it, I become more of more more and more of a person that prefers sports that only require me and myself and so I drop basketball, I drop rock climbing, I drop everything hmm. that requires someone else right and so it's becoming like marathon, golf. I even play golf on my own and then that's cool. And then become like running marathon okay.
2: wait pause like, here pause marathon so you've done these Ironman triathlons but have you done you've done mar- marathons on top of this is that correct
1: oh yeah mar- I, I did my first one in Boston uh when I was at Babson so sophomore year I did my first one um but marathon was almost a bit too easy for me <laughs> <laughs>
2: I love it. You said that with such a straight face, too. You're like, it's just too easy for me, the marathon. Meanwhile, if I run five miles, I'm ready to, you know, puke up a lung.
1: But it's not me trying to be cocky. It's just me needing, I need something that's physically exhausting. Like, that's yeah. just a, why, do you, why
2: do you feel that way?
1: Because otherwise it cannot compensate for my mental stress. Like I need something on the level like I need something that's physically so exhausting that it reminds me that I cannot take breathing for granted I cannot take uh, being able to run being able to walk like nature for granted that you know whatever happening whatever pain stress mental you know stress that I Mm. have it's it's part of the process you know it's part of that you know, if you think of marathons, part of that suffering, it's just part of it. And, and I, I needed something to constantly remind myself. So I cannot pick a sport that's too easy. Like yoga would do me nothing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it, it would get you in a pretty zen place. And, you, and you, don't you feel like the need to, to stretch out your muscles for all of these high uh, intensity uh, competitions?
1: Yeah, I mean, I do yoga every day for 10 minutes. Oh. Oh, but it
2: doesn't okay, just to yeah, just to stretch, it,
1: yeah, just to stretch. <laughs> it cannot be the only thing because I feel like it yeah, it's pretty pretty, pretty low uh, yeah. intensity.
2: well, how many marathons have you done then? So total, not including the the Ironmans.
1: I don't count my marathons cause too many. <laughs> uh, cause I don't just i don't I don't like the idea of having to travel to a city for a marathon because. When I train for marathons, sometimes I run marathons on my own.
2: Oh, wow. So, for,
1: me, for me, there's no reason to run a marathon, like book a plane ticket, book hotels, book a trip for marathon because it's, it's a four-hour race. I need a race to be seven plus, 12 plus, 16-hour plus mm-hmm. to have that physical <laughs> Wait, 16-hour
2: plus race. Okay. What's the longest race you've done? In hours,
1: I've done, I've done a few multi-day races. I've done a multi-day marathon. I've done uh, like put um, to Coast in Portland, Oregon. So it was oh, yeah. like, uh, it's, a, it's a running relay that's multi-days. And then cycling race, I've done a race two years ago. Um, and then I've done the ultra trail running. So that's 50K, 100K in the mountains. And that that's the hardest race I've ever done. <laughs>
2: that is, you are blowing my mind right now, Way. That's. Have you heard of the Barkley Marathon? Yeah, yeah. Have, is that something that would be on your? Oh, so just to, um, so the Barkley Marathon is what's it like? hundred miles in the mountains somewhere. Is it like it? I forget where it is. It's like Tennessee one of or something. The
1: toughest. Yeah, it was one. It's one of the toughest ultra trail race ever. Toughest right. to win and toughest to finish. Your, to finish is that on your is that on your list so <laughs> of all the sports i do uh ultra trail trail running is one of the hardest i don't think i'm and also i'm also not so good at, at that uh it, because training of that training for those kind of mountain races is really hard when you live in a city mm-hmm. uh I travel uh so far away to get to a mountain and to be able to train so I, I don't have enough training to be able to even consider qualifying for uh, Barclay.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. That's unbelievable. If I, live,
1: if I live in Maine, maybe I have a chance. Yeah. Nature is all around me and then I can train in the mountains every day. But when you live in the city and with all my traveling, uh, ultra trail running is one of the hardest things for me to train. Mm-hmm. And if without training, you can get better.
2: Right. Yeah. Well. So, and I'm curious. You know, as long as long as I've known you since you were a teenager, you've had this just like this insane inner drive to uh, to better yourself and to push to really push your own boundaries, right? And a lot of, I mean, a lot of the physical endurance uh, activities that you do just require a lot, I mean, it doesn't, well, it requires a lot of suffering, right? And how do you, how do you mentally get through that? And, you know, we kind of talking back to that growth mindset, you know, it'd be so easy just to, to uh, stop if you felt moments of failure, but you seem to just push through and how, how do you do it?
1: Maybe because I don't see it as suffering. I, I, I don't, I think I endure like I, I, I endorse pain as a way of, as, as, as a reminder of of me living. Yeah, I, I feel mm-hmm. like if life is too easy, uh, every day goes by too fast, and that you, just, I, yeah, you, you like I felt, I feel like I'm not, I'm not. I'm not doing everything I need to do, and I feel like this process of ups and downs uh, through life, through sports, is a very good reminder of why I am living. like like what I'm doing is... so I, I, I feel like if life is too easy. Uh, just when I after I graduated I was working as a consultant in New York it was too easy and I felt like I I I'm missing something I needed I need this kind of extreme emotions in my life to kind of I need to wrap myself with intensity to feel to feel worthwhile like to feel yeah. like I- living a life so maybe that's something maybe it's something wrong with me maybe it's me being i don't know like it's part of who i am but i don't see it as pain i see it as kind of a reminder a jet a good reminder of 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 me as a person
2: Mm -hmm. living life to the fullest so what do you do to what do you do to relax then do you like run through fire or something or do do? Um, <laughs> or is the is is the physical activity is that your relaxation you know your yeah 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 so yeah. it sort of helps with your balance
1: well that's why it's even though i have a lot of girlfriends it's quite hard for me to go on a vacation with them because their idea of vacation is chilling by the beach doing nothing and mm-hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> that
2: doesn't do me anything <laughs> so how like if, if you went on a vacation with your friends and they wanted to chill on the beach doing nothing like how long could you do that before you just like you just said i i've had enough of this I, i'm going crazy yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> how, what's the, what's the amount of time <laughs>
1: But but when they go on vacations, they will be sitting on the beach. But I will always be in the pool, running, doing my doing my swimming, doing my running. <laughs> and then they will be still chilling at the chilling by the beach. And then I will be doing all these things. And then we'll we'll meet up for dinner. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll see you at dinner. Enjoy the beach. <laughs> yeah, that's hysterical. <laughs>
1: It's like, yeah, it's it's really hard to get me to be sitting on the beach. Like I could do that, but like say I did that in uh, last summer in Nice, but that's right after my, uh, I had a beach day, but that's right after my Ironman race the day before. So the second day it was become a beach day. But then the third day I, I was already out and, and like doing other things.
2: <laughs> that, that's That's
1: awesome. Yeah, one day is my limit.
2: One day, that's it. One day relaxation, you got to get back on the horse. Start running, start swimming. It's That's unbelievable. Well, and have you, I mean, you grew up in a big city in China, right? Guangzhou. And yeah. that's where you, and so you live in your hometown right now, right?
1: Um, Kind of. Uh, I grew up, my family uh, moved a few times when I was young, so elementary school, middle school, uh, middle school, I was in a boarding school. Um, and then where my family lives is in a very industrial place. Cause that's where a factory is at. And Guangzhou is China's third biggest city, but my parents are about mm. 40 minutes away by train. And I live alone in a big city. Um, uh, I couldn't live by the factory uh, because that would really drive me insane. You know, after spending so many years in Maine, Boston, New York, it, it, it would become impossible for me to go back to a factory life. Um, so I I, st- I decided to settle myself in Guangzhou.
2: Hmm. So just for comparison's sake, I... Uh What city would you like? I'm trying to imagine the scale of being the third largest city in China. What would you compare to in the U.S.?
1: Uh, Comparing in terms of what?
2: uh, Size, population.
1: um, Population is not fair because China is just overpopulated with people. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, if I give a comparison, Beijing is very similar to... um, in terms of latitude to Boston, but Beijing Mm -hmm. is the capital, so it's like D.C. Uh, New York is Shanghai. Uh, Guangzhou is a place of a lot of... um, Right next to Guangzhou is Shenzhen. Shenzhen is China's Silicon Valley. But Uh Guangzhou, it's a place of a lot of uh, commerce, so a lot of trades, a lot of... um, it's, it's where a lot of businesses are happening. Um, I don't know where, how would I compare Guangzhou to to a U.S. city? What, what, what American city has a lot of, like, trade and business dealing? Uh, Philadelphia? Really?
2: That no, no. L.A.? Um, <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> um, L.A. maybe, yeah. L.A. because uh, it's really hot here, too.
2: Right. That's interesting. Um, and then, and you, you, so you were in boarding school from the time you were in middle school, correct? I mean, you left home when you were what, how old? Like 11,
1: 12,
2: 11 or 12, you left home. And was that something that you were really, uh, I mean, did you really push that as a kid or was it your family saying this is the best opportunity for you? Like, did, were you excited to leave home at 11 or 12?
1: Um, my my parents, both my mom and dad are very career driven. Uh, so I barely get to see them um, mm-hmm. growing up because they're just too busy uh, working and managing the factory. So I, me and my brother, pretty much we were just, pretty much on our own since 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 we were in elementary school. Um, I remember never seeing them because whenever I go to sleep, they're not home. Whenever I wake up, they're gone. Um, so that's probably also part of the reason why I'm pretty independent just because I've been independent since I can remember. Um, so they put me in boarding school because they didn't have time to manage me and they thought that was the best option. So I was mm-hmm. in boarding and and then I came to Maine uh and I was in boarding school and then Babson was also a boarding like I I was staying in the dorm um yeah it's just part of part of me just growing up it's also part of part of the reason why I I feel like I'm pretty uh (laughs) self-sufficient
2: yeah I'd say (laughs) I mean, you, I, I, that's something that's really, uh, ad, I admire in, I've always admired since you were a teenager, just being so self-sufficient, like coming to the U S. Um, and were you one of the, were you one of the first students from China at school Academy?
1: It was me and Nuna. We were the first Chinese in the, in the history. Yeah.
2: yeah of the school. That's, that's unbelievable. I remember, I think it was like my, literally my first day on the job there. And it was like, uh, and then, um, you know, the academic dean said, you have to meet with, you have to meet with Carol Lynn because she wants to talk to you about getting into Harvard or wherever, wherever it was you wanted to go. Was it Harvard or Wharton? Or I, I can't remember.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was tried- like, wow. I rejected a all of them. So there we no, go. <laughs> okay. So
2: I wanted, I wanted to talk to you about this because, you know, you're obviously someone who is super driven. You have, you set these very high goals for yourself and you've achieved a ton of success. Back then when you applied to, you know, you had said, I want to, I want to apply to the top colleges in the U S and I, and you were very confident, like I'm getting it now, when you were not admitted to those schools, what, what was that like for you?
1: Cause I was pretty confident that I would get into at least one, um, um, I granted I also went to the summer schools you know I went to Stanford yeah and I was pretty much taking college classes even as a high school student so I was like okay then there's no reason why I wouldn't get in you know
0: right Uh, and
1: then get in and it was so it was it was so I was super disappointed at myself and then I remember I was going through because I I did a lot of College visits. I visited a ton of colleges. I, I was very aggressive in trying to learn the schools that I'm applying mm-hmm. and really taking the time to visit almost everyone of them. And you went
2: by your and you went by yourself to all these places, right?
1: Yeah, I signed up to all these college tours and I was I like just off I went. Um, like I even go to Philadelphia, DC, like all the schools you named it that I wanted at least visited 20 plus schools um and then I I remember I was choosing between uh, I think it was BU and Babson and then I mm-hmm. remember um you and um Adrian was like you knew someone that went to Babson and had a good time her brother <laughs> yeah and then it was doing really well after school and that uh, Babson's a great school and I think I think Yes, Babson is not a IVD school. Um, and that had I been to, gone to one of those, you know, IVD schools, my life could have been different. But I think Babson gave me a whole new experience that made me who I am today as well. I think I do well in a smaller school setting. Um, I, I need that personal connections. And I felt like um, even though it doesn't shine on my resume, uh, Babson taught me this entrepreneurial drive that is much needed for what I'm doing now, than say, had I gone to an Ivy League or a state school, you know like UCLA, like Luna or UC Berkeley, um, I. I could have been a different person but ultimately I I don't regret going to Babson. I I think I think it, it planted that seed in me you know since 2008.
2: <laughs> right. Well then you go to Babson and you just like immediately start kicking ass there, right? You like, you, you were, weren't you like you were like the president of the student chamber of commerce or what what was that role?
1: Well, I went in with a scholarship so it was it was pretty much a uh, women's leadership. So automatically I was in this women's leadership program. And then this, mm, cool. program, I was in a lot of, I was in, in a group with a lot of very strong women. And then I was in a group with a very strong kind of honest program. It's about like people with good grades. And then, and then I took so many classes in my freshman and sophomore year that technically I could have graduated in two and a half years. What? I took <laughs> classes like in a semester and then wait how many
2: you took how many in a semester
1: eight.
2: you took eight classes a semester
1: holy yeah. shit yeah so i I technically could have graduated for two, in two and a half years but then uh i obviously i i i didn't i took my time so i went for four years so i was starting taking like uh mba classes i started to like because there's these professors that really like me, and I started to listen into classes without signing up for the class.
2: <laughs> <But> Sneaky.
1: <laughs> they, they let me just sit in and, and just listen and, and, and do the homework, and they even grade my homework. It's just I don't take my... I, yeah, so I you audited
2: my, those classes.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so it was great, and then the um, I won an award for something about entrepreneurship um, well, did I you mean,
2: start was, a business? But were you, were you starting a business while you were at, in college?
1: It's funny because well, everybody had to start a business for as a freshman. Oh, and, gotcha. Uh, you have to form, but in some of the classes, they start asking you to write business plans. And I remember one of my business plans was to start uh, a summer camp, a basketball camp in China, where a lot of the NCAA division players can fly to China to teach basketball and then uh, English and all that it was like oh that is
2: so cool that is a great idea
1: I know I know um so had I not had the family background I could have been doing something with sports uh startups Mm -hmm. but regardless I would always be in the startup world just because of Knowing who I am now that I'm, you know, thirty-one turning thirty-two, I knew that I would never last long in a corporate uh, or in a big company. I just—it's so mentally draining to be in a big, big, big companies that I—I I knew no matter what I do or what school I went to, that I will ultimately start my own thing.
2: Hmm. So let me hit the pause button there, way. And I know hitting pause is is a challenge for you in life, <laughs> but. Uh, you, when you were taking eight classes, this just like popped into my head. You're taking eight classes a semester, and you ran a marathon. Like, how did you how did you find the time to do everything? Did you ever did you sleep?
1: Not just, not just that. I remember sophomore year and junior year was one of my hardest life. I remember counting my. So I have really few social life, and I remember a lot of my friends joke that I was constantly running on campus. Hi, <laughs> hi, bye, and in dining hall, I would my- like, I was like, okay, three minutes, this is the fastest, and I'll eat, and I would never talk, and I'll eat, and I'll just go. And because I was taking class eight classes, other people were taking four, um, so I was doubling the classes, and then I was also teaching assistants for this, like, statistic class uh, professor, I was one of their, um, uh, assistant, like I was grading a lot of the papers and the homeworks and then I was doing this uh, Chamber of Commerce where I was putting a lot of workshops and legal workshops and uh, a lot of these sections for student entrepreneurs and then I was working at the Blank Center for Entrepreneurship. I was also doing some assistant work. So yeah, I remember and I think that's also one thing I regret. I regret, I regret making myself so busy that I forgot to enjoy my life as a student, because once you graduated, I'm no longer a student, and I feel like I was not taking the time enjoying being a student when that's my last chance, because- Well, what do, you
2: enjo- what do you mean by enjoying being a student? Because it seems like you were super involved on campus.
1: Yeah, but I miss, I miss um, socializing with people because I think part of, part of me that I feel like I'm not very good as an entrepreneur is that I forgot to understand and appreciate this human connection that it's much needed for if you're running a business and becoming a business owner. It's this um, ultimately, ultimately whatever you do in life you become a salesperson. Even if you're a lawyer, a doctor, uh, an accountant, if you want to become good at whatever you do, whatever industry, if you, you are selling yourself and you, you, you need to understand this important of, importance of, of, of connecting with people and, and being friends with people. And I felt like uh, Babson was already a very small enough community that I, I could have formed a lot more meaningful meaningful connections with my peers, and I wasted that chance.
2: Hmm. Well, but it seems like you've uh, you've found your niche, and you know, in terms of being a startup founder and CEO, I mean, it seems like you're doing your thing every day. Do you love it?
1: Um. It's a love hate relationship. <laughs> <laughs> um. I I think. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's starting a business and running a business is one of the, it's, it is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, it's, you get a thousand rejections before you get one yes. <laughs> and you, so
2: true.
1: every step you take forward, is like 3000 steps, like 20 <laughs> steps. Uh, like it is it, it, especially in the first few years, you feel like you're just constantly running in a circle. Um you're making, you're not making the progress that you hope that you can make. Uh, but now that, you know, I'm in year six, um, it, it, it felt like it has a momentum that I have a foundation that I don't need to be overly stressed out that even, even if you get rejected or if, even if things are not working out the way I had, I hoped uh, it's not. The end of the day it's it's not gonna kill me or the business that I I, I take failures a lot easier now than I had before.
2: Hmm. Well, and um, how big is your is your team?
1: Eight, eight nine people.
2: Okay but you still are I mean you're doing a lot of the traveling and um, you do a lot of sales. Meetings yeah. Yep gotcha. What about what's um what are your like, what are your goals for what's next, Way, What do you want to do?
1: Um, obviously, this business is not at a level that I dream. Like, I, it, my business needs to be a lot bigger than it is now. Uh, but I, I, I'm never in it for the short run. Like, when I set my foot on something, I don't intend to grow it in two years and then drop it. I think I I see this as a 30-year project.
2: 30 years. Wow, it's like a mortgage. Yeah.
1: (laughs) a lifetime project to grow a brand. So it's not something that I take it lightly. It is something that I intend to grow to a scale that I intended to get to, and I know it will take time. If I make it great, I don't see why I wouldn't make it. I think the toughest has already gone i think right now it has enough momentum for it to not go bankrupt (laughs) Uh, that's a plus that's a plus Uh, (laughs) i have i have enough confidence for it to grow organically my concern is that if i grow it too slowly i'm missing out on a lot of the opportunities now that everything is changing so fast in life uh, you know, COVID really changed everything to virtual, and you know, e com shopping become a much much bigger thing than it was right. pre-COVID. And that international traveling is not possible, and that this anti-globalization is happening, and uh, people's mindsets are a lot more towards sustainability, health, um, nature, and all that. How how do we see these changes and reflect that back to business and use this use this pandemic as an opportunity to set ourselves apart from the rest of our competitions. I think that's a lot of things that I ha- I'm brainstorming right now and trying to figure out, like, how we do. Um, but even with that, I... I intend to accelerate the growth rate, but I don't intend to, I don't have a deadline in terms of what's next after my business. I think it's, I see the potential in this like very big, like I, I intend, I have a very big ambition for what I do. So it's not going to be, I don't think about what's next because there's no next I can, I can, I will, I will keep growing it. Um, other than that, I think once I get to a scale, I do want to start a nonprofit and it will have to do with something about sports. I, I do intend to share my love for sports and what sports teach me to a lot of privileged kids uh, in whatever communities that I think this will apply. But I do see how uh, it is important to understand that, uh, you know it's sports is a lot more than just physically physical health or it's a lot more than just a, 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 a something that will get you to a better school you know <laughs> right. a lot of people play for that reason but i feel like it is what kind of there's a lot more to it like a lot of uh unprivileged sports for example a lot of sports get a lot of attention like basketball right tennis, golf, you know, uh, baseball, football, you know, these sports are star sports, but I intend to kind of bring people to sports that are not in the, in the light, the sports that are underlooked. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. That's cool. Um, so and aside from professional goals like that, any big sort of personal uh, goals on the agenda, like you want to like swim across the Pacific or something.
1: Um, <laughs> it's been done, by the way. <laughs> oh my gosh, I did. I,
2: have to, I should have fact checked before I brought that one up. It, <laughs> so that okay. So what's bigger than that?
1: Um, I, I I love these documentaries of people swimming across the Atlantic or run across the Sahara Desert or running from Europe to Asia. Like, I love these, so by the way, all of them are amazing. Uh, I don't think I'm at that level of endurance to be able to do that. Uh, but the good thing is that endurance grow with time, with age. So you will get better and better with endurance uh, as, as I get older. So I think it's not possible for me to do any of these now but maybe in 20 years my endurance will grow to a level that I I could potentially consider it. Personal goals I I don't think that far. I think I'm at an age where a lot of my friends are married with kids Um, and then being an Asian woman I get a lot of pressure from family to have my own family but I feel like me as a person I don't want that to be a checklist. I think it is something that if it comes, it comes; if it doesn't, it doesn't. So my goal is to be able to live my life to the fullest, and like you said, whatever I set my minds to, I want to be able to finish them. So I, one of my thing will be to try climbing uh, or try attempting something like the Everest. But I don't want the Everest commercial. <laughs> so maybe like oh. mountains and. And I, I would like to experience uh, the mountaineering mountain uh, life a little bit. And then I've, I've, I've been diving a lot, scuba diving, for many years. And that brings me so much joy and peace mm. and, and freedom that it's no comparison to any other sports. Uh, like diving is a sport that makes me the most free and most myself. So, I intend to dive different corners of the world a lot more. Um, yeah, so these are the two things that I set my mind on now, and then just keep going with my business and and keep trying to uh kill myself uh physically <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. well. You seem to be, uh, I mean, it, it seemed to be getting stronger as you, uh, as you go through life, not, uh, it's not making you weaker in any way in terms physically. So, but the struggle is real, I'm sure.
1: How do you feel? Like, do you feel that you're physically not as strong as you were 10 years ago? actually, I,
2: no, I actually feel, uh, stronger as well. And the, you had said the endurance factor for sure. You know, I... And cause similar to you with the, you know, sort of all the stresses of, of a business and startup life, I, uh, I've done a lot. I've placed a large focus on physical activity and wellness. And, you know, I don't, I, I mean, I have to get off my ass after this podcast and go for a run way because you, you know, you, you maybe feel like I'm super lazy. Um, but, but, uh, but I, I feel stronger, like, and I feel more fit and, I know my body better now than I did, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I have, you know, now that I'm, uh, in my mid forties though, way, like I have issues. Like if I re- like I ran a couple of weeks ago for six miles and I, my knee just, it, it took me a couple of weeks to heal up my knee cause I have a torn meniscus. So, and I haven't got surgery. I'm just sort of healing it naturally. And so, you know, there are times when I push myself a little too hard. Um, but I know to listen to my body, and uh, I, I love it. Like, just like you, I mean, I love being physically active and really pushing myself and having a little bit of that suffering.
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> your, family, like, our, like your family is just all very physically very good and in shape. So I, I feel like the reason why you interview me is probably we see something similar in each other. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, Play other
2: than basketball nowadays what do my what do my kids play other than basketball
1: you you like
2: what oh, do you- me well i've re- i've re- I basically retired from basketball so i don't really do that anymore. i've picked up tennis though which is and it's interesting because i've never really played tennis um but have just started to with a retired uh professor who lives in my lives near me and it's very humbling because he he kicks my ass every time we play and you know I love the competition and I'm improving a little little by little but uh you know I have to I have to blur it's it's been a great experience in um managing my my emotions and my competitive spirit because I just get crushed um <laughs> so I do that you know I, I run a lot I do I do yoga but you know that doesn't do it for me Uh, way like it same for you (laughs) Um, and and, so that's kind of I mean that's kind of what I've that's about it and then I'll do some kind of just general workouts oh we also I, I we got a Peloton so that's been great especially like here in the winter in Maine but you know I'd like to start looking at doing some more longer uh runs and you know I'm not sure if I'll get to the triathlete level like like you way but um but you know you've been super inspiring for me to to uh to try some new things and and as you said to just go for it.
1: Yeah. Don't <laughs> don't say-
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Well, uh I this has been awesome way. Thank you so much for taking the time and uh filling us in on what's going on in your life and you just have this amazing bounce you've always been such an inspiring person ever since you were a teenager and even more so now with everything that you do i don't know how you fit it all into your day but um, it's really amazing and uh, i look forward to following you on on the instagram and other places to see what your what other adventures you're you're having
1: Thank you, thanks for having me. I mean, it's great to uh, connect and, and just chat and it's that it's, yeah, I had a lot of fun talking to you.
2: Awesome, well the next time you, uh, when you do like the Barclay Marathon or hike up one of the seven summits, hit me up and we'll talk again. <laughs> <laughs>